Are you ready to manage your work and personal world better to live a fulfilling, productive life? Then you've come to the right place. Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity. Here are your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks. Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinot. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Mark Gelwicks. Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to our listeners to this episode. And we're going to do another exciting episode uh, we have come to coin as Appapalooza. So this is our third time where we're going to be doing four rounds and discussing apps that we use in our everyday productivity systems and uh, enjoy using. And we we uh, recommend them to others. And so why not share them with you? Uh, so as I said, we're going to go in three rounds. We'll have three rounds. And uh, each of us will give our tool and kind of give you a little bit of explanation behind what it is and uh, why we use it. So Let's kick it off. Let's let's get started with this party and uh, go with uh, you, Art. Art, I have you up first. Uh, what is your first app? Well, I've got a bit of a theme to this Appapalooza since we're in a situation where people are trying to kind of deal with the, the mental aspects of having a lot of stuff to do and unfortunately having time to do this. So the theme on mine are gamification tasks or the gamification of tasks. So the first one that I'm talking about is an app called Do It Now. Now, these are all on Google Play. These are all on Android. I'm sure you can find equivalent ones on iOS. But Do It Now is an old school style role-playing game, but it's done with your task. So if you think about it from the perspective of... Uh, something like a Dungeons and Dragons or that type of a game, what you're doing is you're creating a character in Do It Now of yourself, your own stats, uh, the challenges, you create your characteristics like memory, perception, strength, and you apply those criteria to the things that you need to do, whether they're individual tasks or recurring tasks. Um, I like it because it's a fairly modern style of interface and you build experience as you move forward and you can chart those metrics as you move forward to achieve specific goals. So it's a nice way. It's a little bit complex, but it's a nice way to get into this idea of gamifying the things that you have to do and setting those point goals to to help yourself move forward. Augusto, what's your first app in round one? My first app is Anchor, and it is an app to record podcast. Podcast, you know, like this one, um, it's been an interesting evolution, especially for a person who lived iPad only. The recording and editing of the podcast podcast, even that power of the machine has been there for a while, has taken longer to really get to reality. And Anchor is the first application that allows to really do that and to really record, edit, even save templates. And it is a really easy, powerful way to start doing um, podcast on, on any device, iOS, uh, iOS and is what I use, but and, and the reason I bring it here, obviously, but it is a really, really nice and powerful platform. Yeah, I happened to use Anchor for one of my podcasts just because I needed to make sure that I was using the tool that you know a lot of my uh, small business clients are using and, and talking about. And so I decided, well, let me just use it for that purpose, even though I'm, I'm much more a fan of other uh, podcast hosting services. But um, I've got to be honest, you know, the the Anchor platform is is really um, quite 
useful and helpful. Um, Art, what's your experience been with Anchor? Oh, I love it. I've been using Anchor since the beginning on my own podcast. Uh, from an implementation standpoint, it there are some little inconsistencies in the interface between the devices, but to have an application and a platform that you can literally build or record, edit, and publish your entire podcast off of your mobile device is pretty slick. I've sat down and I've recorded multiple episodes from inside my car. I've been able to jump around and do the different things things I needed to do, and then sit down and say, okay, publish this all right from my phone. I can do it from my desktop also. So yeah, I love it. I use it. I use Anchor for all my podcasting. The only only issue that I have come across is that the Anchor messages, like if someone records a message and and, and uh, sends it to you, I had no notification of that because it was only in the app. And so just make sure that you do have the mobile application installed because then you'll install the app several months later and realize that someone, you know, some persons have <laughs> left you audio messages that you had no idea existed. So just little things like that, uh, you know, and, and if Anchor is listening, uh, you know, please give people the ability to see name record their show so that they can have their control over their domain. And uh, yeah, so uh, next up, I have Francis. Francis, what's your first app? So it's called Files to SD Card, and it's on Android. And what it does is with a click of a button, you can transfer files from your internal device to your SD card. So it, it allows you to go through the directory, pick directories or files or basically whatever you want. And then with a with a tap, have it all get transferred over. And for folks who are heavy WhatsApp users, and if you belong to lots of WhatsApp groups, this is a, a must. Just because WhatsApp is doesn't allow you to save directly to the SD card, you have to save to the device, which means that if you're running out of space like I am, then you have Every day you have to be moving files over and this is a way to do it in bulk. It takes about a couple of minutes to run each day and it allows you to keep going. I mean, I, I, it, this game will probably end because I imagine that there are other, other programs that have files that I can't transfer, but at least for now, it's, it's allowing me to extend the life of my smartphone. One corollary to this is using the files app on android so you know files to sd card is an is an android focused application uh and the same thing kind of is being done by files so so there's an application called files it's an android app and when you install it it walks through your system you know it scans your system for things that you can get rid of like detritus, like junk temporary files, you know, cache files and that kind of thing, but also these large media files that are sitting on your system, whether they be PDFs, MP3, you know, other video files as well. And it'll just give you a list of those so that you can purge them. And, uh, and, and many times, you know, those WhatsApp files are no longer useful. Uh, if you're sharing personal content, then why do you care about the GIF that your friends send you? Uh, you know, you could just get rid of it. So that's a kind of a secondary piece if, if people are really trying to save space on the device and it's doing it semi-automatically because it'll just like prompt you at times and say, hey, I've scanned it and I can save you X hundreds of megabytes worth of data. And then you could just go through and say, oh, okay. Like in my case, you know, I found uh, about a gigabyte two or 10 uh, worth of uh, excess podcast episodes that had just been sitting on my system at, from a prior podcast application. And I didn't need that stuff tape, you know, sitting on my system. So it was able to purge those pretty easily. So just um, check out the files app on Android. There's, there's one that comes native that's called files, but that's not what you're talking about, right? 
It it is indeed. Yep. It is because I use mm-hmm. I use that one on 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 mine, but it doesn't doesn't provide any kind of smart, so it, it won't scan. Well, you may you may want to check because the one that you may be looking at may be native from the company who made your phone. Yeah. Um, because okay. I know I think Samsung used to do that. And it still does. I think they have their own files app, and it's definitely not the same thing as what Ray described because I use the one that Ray's talking about and the one that um, another one that's available. They have the same name, different icon, different functionality. Wow, same name. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, when I when I when I look at when I look at my phone, I actually do see two files apps, and um, oddly enough, uh, one has a little Google colored green material design logo so there are multiple like flaps of of paper folded over and then one is just a file folder icon and when i open one up that is just a file browser oh no i'm sorry the one that is the google one and that's the one that i'm talking about the one that's the other one i'm not quite sure but either way it's the one i believe that google puts out not the not the one by any other menu you know um oem all right. Uh, so that brings me to, to my first uh, app within round one. And I'm actually going to cheat and, and talk about two. Uh, <laughs> but it's because they work together so well. Uh, so uh, back in the day, I, I talked about uh, this on ProdPod, uh, which is the application Mind42. Uh, Mind, the number four, the number two. So Mind42.com. And it's a web-based mind mapping software. And I use it in conjunction with FreeMind, which is an open source mind mapping software uh, that's available for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. It does require you to install uh, Sun's Java environment so that you can uh, run FreeMind. So just be aware of that. But the, uh, the, the integration between the two of them for me is that I can open up a web browser, invite anyone to it. They can create a free account and be brought into the mind map with me, and we can collaborate on a mind map together, which is something that I do actually quite frequently. And uh, it's just phenomenal. And then when all that collaboration is done, I can export that mind map in a, in a .mm file, and then open it up in FreeMind, and then go to town. I can you know do all kinds of modifications to it, uh, you know fancy it up if I want to uh, break it down, separate it into multiple mind maps. And it's just a really great toggling back and forth of those. And I can then take that same mind map and upload it back to Mind42 if I want to continue collaborating with someone with the revised version. So it just gives me a lot of flexibility for being able to use these two tools together. And I, I just really enjoy being able to mind map in a digital way and see it in real time with another person, you know, so that we're able to collaboratively mind map, which just makes it um, all the better when you're trying to do that kind of not even brainstorming sometimes, sometimes it's brainstorming, sometimes just organizing thoughts, and the thoughts are not yet not yet in the place where they belong. So it's just kind of like getting the ideas of what needs to be organized up on the screen, and then moving them around into an organization that works for everybody. So really love Mind42 and FreeMind. And I will put links to all of these in the show notes. So if you don't know how to access any of these, don't worry about it. Just go to uh, productivitycast.net to the episode page, and you will find the links to those. So ding, ding, ding. That's the end of round one. Let's get into round two. Art, What's your next app? Okay, following along with the gamification of tasks theme, round two item is called Habitica. Basically, it's the same type of a thing that I just described, where it's a it's a role playing game style 
of app where you're playing it um, with the tasks that you need to do. What I like about Habitica is that it looks a lot like the old Nintendo Game Boy type of game. It has a beautiful UI. They've done a fantastic job of, of emulating that 8-bit pixel interface. Uh, it's clean, it's efficient, allows you to load your tasks in, track your dailies. If you want a way to get started into this kind of a gamification process and you want something that's that's really engaging, I'd say take a look at Habitica. It's very purple too, but that's a whole different. As a side note, I actually run a, a GTD party on Habitica and we've been running for a few years and yeah, so I love Habitica. All right. Thank you, Art. Next up, Augusto, what's your next app? In round two. So in round two, I'm going to talk about an application called Infuse. Um, you know, one of the interesting things when you move to iPad is that you don't have iTunes. Apple has decided not to make an easy way to add movies from when you have or lack a computer. So there is this little app from a company in Colorado called Firecore called Infuse. And basically Infuse allows to read Movie files, I, I have, we many years ago digitized all our movie collection when the kids were little, so they did not scratch the DVDs and uh, put them in this drive, then Infuse can go there. And what is really cool about it that wasn't possible when, when I did that is you used to do it, put it there, and then you needed to find the covers, and it was kind of a messy process. Infuse come, get the movie, go to the databases, put the right cover, but also put all the details on the movie. So who was the director, the actors, the, the what about the movie and all that. And if you have movies of the same collections of movies, James Bond or Harry Potter or uh, those kind of things, but Thor uh, or Avengers, they will create what is called a collection. So they basically collect the movies. So when you are browsing on the TV uh, via the Apple TV, you can look at all the movies and all that. Given this is not a productivity thing, but in the days of that we are experiencing that, hey, people is watching more TV. It is really cool to be able to get all those digital files and have them in a way that is easy to organize, that is easy to search, to find, and to do. It is really, really what I think is the best uh, video player that is available for the Apple TV, hands down. It obviously works on iOS, so I can access from my iPad that NAS driver and watch a movie if I want to. So it works really, really well. So this is a competitor to the Plex platform, is what I'm understanding? Yeah, that's correct. It actually integrates with Plex too. So, But yes, it, it's a competitor of Plex. Fantastic. Yeah, I've been I've been considering spinning up a Plex server with my brother for a long time. And now we're considering there's a, a Plex, a completely independent uh, software developer who's developed something called Sync Lounge so that you can actually watch movies in real time together and uh, from from a Plex server. And I've been considering, oh, you know, it'd be really nice to actually get, you know, my brothers and my uh, niece together. Uh, well, my other my nieces and nephew together to watch a movie together. It would be really nice to do so from 
in distributed locations. And uh, so I was thinking of setting that up. So I will I will give Infuse a look, but since we're not all Apple TVs, um, it probably won't work. We haven't done the, the synchronized movie thing, but I we um, digitized our DVDs before 2010. Uh, Alicia was born probably 2009 or so when, when the kids are small enough that they grab the DVDs and they play, you know, with the DVDs on the floor and you're, you, you, the adult, start cringing. Uh, that's when we did that. And it has been uh, for something that has over 10 years, you know, file, I can access all of them and it works really, really, really. Thank you, Gusto. Francis, what's your second app? It's called MailTrack and it, it's not rocket science or anything. It's a Chrome Gmail add-on that allows you to uh, get a response when someone has opened your email. So it's it's the individual equivalent of what the email software uh, programs like Aweber or MailChimp have been doing forever. And I just discovered it. Maybe everybody else has been using it, but I'm late to the party. But it's phenomenally useful. Uh, in particular, it tells me who's not managing their email well, which is really good to know. <laughs> you send them an email and you're wondering, why haven't you heard from them? Well, it's because they haven't even opened it yet. So I'm finding it very, very, very useful. It's, it's, it's now become an essential with respect to my daily productivity communication. Yeah, I have that built into my CRM, which sits inside of Gmail because I'm a G Suite user. And it's just great to be able to see, you know, when the person has opened it, how many times they've opened it. And it even tells me location, which can be a little bit creepy. Uh, you know, I don't want to know that information, but it tells it to me. And so it's very, very useful because I can say, oh, you know what? This person has opened it. I know that they've they've at least looked at it once, twice, 15 times, and therefore I can be confident that they know this information in future communications, uh, which is just very helpful. All right, and so uh, my second round item to close out round two is a web application that is very simple, but solves a very big problem for me. So I use uh, task Manager, Remember the Milk. We've talked about that in our first Applepalooza in our premiere edition. Uh, so you can snap back to that episode if you'd like to. And in that, uh, Remember the Milk itself has a function for you to email tasks into the software. Many software have this. And like Todoist and, and many others have this ability. You can email a task into the into the task manager. And that's, that is brilliant. Uh, except when you want to be able to control certain types of templated items. And so in Remember the Milk, you can actually bulk import tasks by email. In essence, in the body of the text, you can have you know, 15, you know, items listed in the email and each line will turn into its own task. And so for me, I have uh, uh, recurring projects in essence, where all of the tasks need to be put into the system on a regular basis. And so uh, sendrecurring.com solves that problem for me. In essence, I can draft a template email and then on a regular basis, sendrecurring.com sends that email to my Remember the Milk account and it imports and sets up. And even more sophisticated because of Remember the Milk, not because of Send Recurring, you can actually use the smart ad functionality so I can send it, send each item to its own list with its own date, its own tags, its own criteria generally and specifically. And so therefore, each line item is going where it needs to at the time it needs to because I'm sending it on a specific schedule through Send Recurring. Com. So I believe it gives you 100 emails uh, per month for free, and then you can upgrade the account to more. So that's a pretty generous allotment. Uh, I know it also sends uh, 
what do you call it, uh, text messages as well. So it can send SMS. Uh, I don't use that functionality. I only use it for sending recurring emails. You can also send scheduled emails and reminder emails in the system. But again, I as well as surveys, I think you think you do polls as well. But I only use it for that send recurring email functionality. And it's just really, really helpful. You can actually also do this to send to other people than yourself. So for example, I was running a blog network uh, for a client, and I needed to remind the bloggers to submit content on a regular basis. So I would just have this reminder email that said, hey, by the way, here goes upcoming, you know, uh, deadlines for your blog entries. And, uh, and also let's talk about your topics on the quarter. So every quarter, they'd get an email to remind them to send in their quarterly topics and ideas. So it's just a, it's just a really, really easy, simple tool for being able to schedule those kinds of uh, recurring emails, both outbound and into your own systems, like into Evernote or into you know, like my task manager, Remember the Milk or otherwise. And I love it. It's great. It's simple. It just works. And yeah, so that's sendrecurring.com. All right. Ding, ding, ding. That's the end of round two, and that begins round three. And so uh, with that, let's uh, get into round three. Art, what is your final app? My final one for this app, Blueza, is, if you can guess, it's a gamification of tasks. <laughs> um, it's called Epic to-do list. And it's very similar to the other ones that I've talked about so far. The significant difference with it is that it looks like, it truly looks like an old school RPG game. It doesn't have a modern interface. It has you know, it brown backgrounds and you create a character, define, you know, spend a lot of time defining what the character looks like and then build the things out. Uh, but if you're looking for something that is much more traditional, old school RPG style gamification, I would say that this is the one that you want to take a look at. Again, it's called Epic To-Do List. It's not perfect. It's a little bit clunky and it is ad supported, uh, but you know, support your devs. So yeah, I just love the the whole there's a whole collection of these RPG style gamified task managers that have come out in the world. And both on Android and iOS, they're, they're some of them are the same and some of them are different. You know, like Habitica, you know, has been able to grow large enough to support both platforms, uh, and others have not. But there there's quite a wide variety of gamified RPG style games. And I think that they can be really, really useful. I know that uh, the name is going to um, escape me. I know um, Jane McGonigal uh, is the person who developed it. And she uh, wrote the book Super Better. Is that the name of the app? I believe it is. Yeah. So so the app Super Better is that kind of uh, both productivity system by itself, uh, but also an application that helps you gamify your world. And so these apps always remind me of her and really the the game design principles that she has proffered in her books. And I just really think they're great for people who are looking for a different flavor of not motivation, but structure around their motivation, right? So it's like, you need you need this infrastructure. And if you need that infrastructure, then these apps can actually provide that. So really cool. Thank you, Art, for focusing on those. And next up, I have Augusto. What's your final app for this Appapalooza? 
Well, for this final, I pick an actual productivity thing. <laughs> and it's called File Explorer. Actually, also for iOS, and, and so it will work on your iPad, it will work on your iPhone. But what File Explorer gives you is a similar version to what a file manager will do on your computer. That so it will allows you to access drive, remote drive, networks, hard drive, and everything else that that iPad can connect to, wireless or not. So you can even go connect your iPad via an Ethernet cable and see a whole network into an enterprise environment. That made it the iPad a really, really nice, uh, or that with that application, the iPad gets really, really powerful to navigate through even traditional network environments or copy files from one place to the other inside or even from the outside of the iOS environment. So it, it turned into a really powerful little tool that gives you a, a lot of the old functionalities of file managers that initially were not present on iOS. Yeah, it's remarkable that one of the most difficult things about managing in in our world today, in, the, in kind of our di- the digital age, is actually interoperabil- interoperability of very basic functions. Like, for example, Apple Messages doesn't communicate with the rest of the messaging world. You know, it's like files should just be able to be viewed on any device except they're not. We, we have to use these third parties in order to be able to see native, you know, what what should be very simple files uh, across systems. It's it's remarkable to me, but at the same time, thankfully, there are developers out there building these tools that allow us to be able to actually see these things. So cool tool. Thank you, Augusto. And next up, Francis, what's your round three app? So it's a it's a, a conferencing software called Remo, and people who use Zoom, most people, are, a lot of people are using Zoom right now because it's the go-to alternative for working from home or working remotely. Uh, people who are familiar with that would notice that it, there are some similarities because there's one half of Remo that looks a lot like Zoom. It's a, a, converse, a conversation webinar um, a projector, I guess, where you you can have one or one to 10 speakers and they all saw slides and interaction with the audience, however, is only by tech and by comments. So that's the one half of Remo. It's the other half that's really innovative. And in the other half, you can essentially break out into private table and have private conversations with three to six or two to six people at a given table. And at the table, you have full video. Uh, you can share files. You can have a whiteboard. You can you can text chat, audio, video. You can have a conclave, I guess, of, um, of a private conversation with people at your table. And you can move around to different tables. And you, the person who sets it up can set different themes per table so that they can manage a conversation as people move from one area of interest to the other. It's... It's beyond what you, you could do probably in a live setting because you, you can't do all those things, even if you had a real conference room with different rooms. So this is really leveraging what technology allows you to do that you can't do in real life. Uh, and as far as I know, I don't know of any other platform that allows you to have this level of uh, private meetings, private get-togethers, face-to-face meetings. So it's great for networking. You can really bounce around from one table to the next, meet three, four new different people, and then bounce to the next table. So it's it's a fascinating alternative so, you know, Zoom has sort of become the standard in the last few months. This is a great alternative. Yeah, Zoom has breakout rooms, but they don't have them in a visual layout that other folks can 
manage their own movement around a, a digital space. And so Remo provides that, that I think is is a fairly unique feature. I really enjoy using Zoom breakout rooms for as a host, but once you are not a host, then you lack the empowerment to move around a digital space and you know, meet other people and, and that kind of thing. And Remo gives that visual space. I think it's only other competitor in the market is Sokoko, which is a little bit different because it's supposed to be for managing remote workers, whereas Remo is more a collaborative meeting space for folks who are hosting events and hosting, say, webinars and other kinds of, of educational uh, trainings. So very cool tool. And I know that, Francis, you've been using it quite a bit in your own world. And I, and you know, that's just a, uh, your most recent one actually was really interesting. I'm just thinking of the layout of bringing people back and forth between uh, interacting and engaging and, and discussing things and then coming back and sharing those in uh, the presentation mode and those kinds of things. So very, very cool stuff going on there at Remo. So thank you. And uh, to close out round three and Applepalooza generally, uh, I am going to talk about, again, I'm going to cheat and talk about two different apps, but it's because it's Windows and Mac OS. So something that I see people having struggles with all the time is managing their downloads folder on their on their desktops. Uh, and many times the downloads folders on their on their mobile phones, but there's no easy solution there. But on on your desktop, if you are trying, if you're struggling with keeping your downloads folder empty and managed well, and so on and so forth, there are applications that are out there that will help you. Uh, one is called File Juggler, and uh, this is a both are paid tools, but they're not they're they're nominal fees for the for the price. It's totally worth it. Uh, but the first one on Windows is called File Juggler, and in essence, what you do with File Juggler is you install the tool and you set up rules, just conditions for the the folders that you want it to monitor. And so, for example, say that you have some items in your downloads folder that you want to put into Google Drive, and so you have Google Drive installed on your desktop. Well, you can move those files to Google Drive, and then it will just synchronize those items to Google Drive, and then they'll be backed up to Google Drive. Or say that you want a particular file that you download from the bank every month, say a bank statement, and you want it renamed to the a name that you can find and search that's logical. Say it has the bank's name in it, plus say bank statement and the date ending that particular month. So, you know, for the statement ending X date. Well, you can have File Juggler make those changes and then move it to an appropriate folder, say, a bank statements folder where all of those will now be. So File Juggler is just incredibly powerful for being able to automate those kinds of tools and uh, get them off your system. Then there's the other side of it on Mac OS X um, or Mac OS, and uh, the, the tool is called Hazel, and Hazel does almost exactly the same thing. It has it has some pretty slick features for being able to filter and sort and rename things as well, and it just monitors folders, right? So you just, as things come in, you can say, hey, you know what? I want to place this thing in, uh, you know, in this particular folder, and there it goes. Incredibly helpful for, for speeding up the movement of files, because in any given day, I can be downloading emails, uh, email attachments from many different sources, both business and otherwise, and I want those to go in the right places so that I can find them later. 
and it makes it very, very easy to be able to do so. It takes a little bit of time setting up because you, you have to think through, well, what do I receive every day, every week? So I, I like to go through with clients and actually review their downloads folder for the past couple of weeks, see what they have received recently, and then decide, okay, well, what should be happening with this stuff? And can we can we go through and make that stuff renamed to uh, a consistent naming uh, convention? And can we move these to a collected a collection, a folder or something that makes sense for you to be able to find later? And it just makes it so much simpler. I really like it. And then the rest can be deleted. Then you can keep your downloads folder a little bit more organized. Yeah, I I used to use Hazel on, on the Mac and still the, the Mac, I don't use it, but it's, I have it installed. And you can also do other maintenance things. So you can say, okay, well, all the files that got into this folder at the end of the month, you know, put them, move them to a folder called January and get them out of the desktop or um, empty the trash can when the trash can get to a certain level. There are little maintenance things that you don't necessarily consider until you are in a hurry, but you can make with Hazel happen in a really, really simple way. So you can really go and create those rules, as they call them, uh, and say, okay, you know what? I uh, empty trash and, uh, you know, or do uh, one of my favorite things with Hazel is that when you install things on on the Mac, you know they install in different folders. But if you enable that, when you delete, Hazel goes and then search for all those files to also get them delete. That I think is a, a fantastic thing. So you don't get all that all that stuff. You know, download pictures, for example, and Hazel will add them directly to the picture folder or the picture library. So all those little things really really make huge differences. All right. We've made it to the end of another Appapalooza. So while we are at the end of our discussion, the conversation doesn't stop here. If you have a question or a comment about any of the applications or tools that we talked about today, please visit our episode page on productivitycast.net. There on the podcast website at the bottom of the page, you can leave a comment or a question. We read and respond if needed to every comment or question. So um, on productivitycast.net, there on the episode page, you'll also find our show notes. And those include links to anything we discussed, so you can easily jump to them. So any of the tools or apps we talked about, I've provided links, and any of the side apps that we discussed also have links. So feel free to run over there and get those. And we also have uh, text transcripts uh, to read and download for each episode. If you have a topic about personal productivity you'd like us to you'd like us to discuss on a future cast please visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact you can leave a voice recorded message or you could type us a message and we'll be able to feature it on a future episode i want to express thanks to augusta Pinaud, francis wade and art gelwicks for joining me here on productivity cast each week you can learn more about them and their work by visiting productivitycast.net as well so People have been asking me, how do I learn more about all of these Productivity Cast team members? It's there on the website. Finally, I'm Ray Sidney Smith, and on behalf of all of us here at Productivity Cast, here's to your productive life. That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity, with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Pinaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.